Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accent. Yeah, sure, you <laughs> betcha. You betcha. You betcha. <laughs> I was so shocked by we in Louisville, we like recently had snow, like actual snow, and I was so shocked by the lack of shoveling. You just mm. let it melt. Yeah. and like, I'm shocked by the lack of shoveling that my partner does, even though he assured me when I got him that snowblower that he <laughs> would handle snow removal. Uh-huh. There are also like city ordinances yeah. about yeah. shoveling in a timely manner. Want to know who handles snow removal? <laughs> yeah, I got one guess. It me. Oh, <laughs> Zach, whenever he's like, I took out the recycling, uh-huh. I'm just like, okay. And then I go out and look, and it's just a mountain of boxes that are still like full shaped. They're yeah, not, not like, broken they have, down. They haven't been broken down. Mm-hmm. Tape still everywhere. Oh yeah, enjoy your fine from the city. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. you didn't. You didn't take out the recycling, sir. You've been cursed by all of the, like, city waste employees. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, They fucking hate you. mm -hmm. It's so embarrassing. I know it's wrong. I have to, I go out and fix it so that they they don't have to deal with it. But Mm -hmm. it's just like, you didn't fucking take out the recycling, dude. No, you didn't. Mm -mm. (sighs) Mm-mm. Well, Who are we? God bless. Oh. Besides angry wives. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kathy. <laughs> I'm bitter. <laughs> I'm Lucy. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm Amanda. <laughs> Who cares? Moving on. <laughs> Literal dust. Oh, oh, a quick anecdote. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> Speaking. <laughs> Speaking of introducing oneself to a lackluster response, (laughs) this is my favorite story. This is epic, and I love it. So the other day, (laughs) the other day, I got a package in the mail from Lucy. It had a Patagonia jacket in it, like a nice black Patagonia jacket, and it was made by... um, our lovely merch people who handle our merch for us now. We're obsessed colors. with ourselves, so we got Patagonia jackets with our logo <laughs> and our own names on we them. Didn't Let's just call ladies. it what it is. We didn't <laughs> yes. order them. It was, it was no, co- we just gleefully accepted it. It was our yeah. merch person, Corey Hillman at All Colors LLC out of New Jersey. Shout out. They're fucking awesome. They're awesome. They're but great. Corey offered to make us these really cool Patagonia jackets with like a wine and crime embroidery and then our names on the sleeve. Yeah, so we got basically pink ladies jackets, but they're black and Patagonia and wine and crime. Mm-hmm. And I got it in the mail, and it was the perfect temperature to wear it for going and walking the dog. Mm-hmm. And so put it on, went to our local coffee shop to like pick up some coffees while Zach waited in the car with the dog. I'm, you know, obviously masked up, whatever, waiting in line for my coffee. 
And this lady walks in with her friend, and she's wearing a spooky little bitch hoodie. Love that. And I... Seeing it in the wild. Seeing it in the wild. So exciting. We don't have that many listeners in Louisville. I've never seen a a wine coven member in the wild here Mm -hmm. that I know of. It's Mm -hmm. always exciting seeing you people in the wild. So Mm -hmm. Very exciting. So she walks in and she's immediately right behind me in line. And I turned and I was like, hey, do you listen to Wine and Crime? And she was like kind of startled and like, off put that I was like talking to her. First of all, how dare you speak to me? Yes. Second of all, sure. Yes, I do. And I'm masked. So I was like, I'm Kenyan. And she just blinked. <laughs> didn't, didn't give a fuck. I need to make you a cricket soundboard that's just a button you can press on like a keychain for when you're out and about. For when, not if, when this happens again. Get her a birdie with just chirping. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just kind of standing there like maybe she doesn't actually listen and someone just got her the sweatshirt because they liked it, but she said she listened. And she, there seemed to be some recognition of my name when I said my <laughs> name. Recognition so but and care are two different things. Right, right. <laughs> and then, care was lacking. And then she was just kind of like, sorry, I'm really out of it. Like, you know, I've got a toddler or something, something about a baby. And I was like, oh, no worries. No, it's fine. And she just like got silent again. And no one else in the coffee shop is is talking. So everyone is looking at us. What if you had been like, you want a photo? Oh, can you imagine? She not good. Her friend standing behind her didn't look up from texting. She was just on her phone. And I'm just standing there and I was like, yeah, it was just so cool to like see your sweatshirt because like that's that's my thing. You're just panic rambling. <laughs> yes. And she just was silent. And then blink, uh, blink. And I was like, so finally I felt so awkward. So I was like, well, sorry for like invading your space. <laughs> and she goes, it's okay. <laughs> I'm used to it. I have a toddler, like I mentioned. Oh my God. I never get a fucking moment of peace. And then she turns and faces forward and stares silently waiting in line. And I turn and face forward standing silently in line for an eternity. And 30 minutes later, your coffee came out. (laughs) They were making it slower on purpose for sure. My coffee finally is ready. I grab it. I try to salvage the moment. I turn back to her to like try to have like a goodbye eye smile or nod. Nothing. She doesn't turn. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I walk out. That's why I always say, always be approached just in case. Yeah, you always say that. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) as I always say. So anyway. I mean, like in any situation, like if you're going on a blind date, like meeting someone that you're not sure about. I always just fucking wait for those turds to come to me because I am too scared. I'm going to look like a fool. You have blue hair. They know, know. to come to you. Yeah. I had unwashed. Well, that actually was like probably I always recognizable. say, always have blue hair. Anyway, <laughs> it didn't go great. And then, no. so that's my experience of meeting a wine coven person in the wild. <laughs> Definitely felt like a real celebrity. 
And then, Lucy, what was your experience? Same day. Oh, that same day. day. It was day. hours later. I was down at Lachelle's Fine Foods. On We've only been open for like a week, and it's just been packed. It's been fucking unreal. But I went down there to like pick something up, and they needed some help. So I was like answering the phone, whatever, walking around. And I was wearing my ologies sweatshirt. I wasn't even wearing anything wine and crime. And I had my mask on, of course. And I walked past this table and the young woman sitting at the table was like kind of scoping me out. And then I walked back and she was like really scoping me out. So I stopped and I was like, I was like, hey, like, how are you guys doing today? Thanks for coming in. And she goes, are you Lucy? And I was like, yeah. Well, I'm Lachelle, but yes. (laughs) She burst into tears. (laughs) She goes, we drove all the way from Ames to eat here and Ames to Des Moines is about 40 minutes. So it's not like right down the street. It was a little destination lunch for them. And her Meanwhile, na- Kenyon's fan drove all the way to Ames to get away from her. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta shake this bitch. It's the same woman. <laughs> it's the same woman. <laughs> I can never go oh back to that God. coffee shop. I oh, got no, you someone can't. that I had to apologize to for yeah. invading their space, and Lucy <laughs> got a crier. Yeah, no, you can't go back there. That coffee shop is done, though. You're done. They make you can really order pickups. And like, oh my God. have them bring it to the door. You can double mask and wear a wig and a hat <laughs> and sunglasses. And sunglasses. You can make Zach go in from now on. You can yeah. just be the Unabomber there right. from now on. You can on. Unabomber it. Don't actually Unabomber it, but you know what I mean. <laughs> But you Deep. definitely cannot spend time inside of that establishment ever. You know what you should have done is DB Cooper it. And as soon as that <laughs> conversation started turning south, you just jump out the window. <laughs> If, if I hadn't already ordered and gotten Parachute half ready. of my order in my <laughs> hand, I again, I would have probably walked out. Like if <laughs> if I was behind her in line and had done that, I would have been like, okay, oh, I left my everything on. Yeah. Gotta fake, go. Yeah, Abort. fake an emergency phone call. Mm-hmm. Get out. Oh, sorry, I gotta take this call. <laughs> She's oh, like, okay, sorry. bitch, bye. Oh, oh, sorry, is it Amanda? <laughs> then she, like, gets interested. <laughs> you wish. Anyway, no, I, I under, I, I'm not making fun of the fan. I'm making fun of myself for oh, yeah. being way too thirsty <laughs> in that interaction. And I apologize again for invading your space. Oh, my God. She said not bitterly at all. (laughs) So sorry to the person in Louisville and shout out to Beth from Ames and congrats on your engagement. I don't know who the person in Louisville is, but I want your autograph. And I love you. And if you're interested in starting a podcast together, just DM me. Please sign my tits. Um, I want it. I need a detailed photo of you for the tattoo I'm going to get. It's just we have a lot to talk about. Okay. All, All right. right. Speaking of a lot to what talk about. What are we about, doing today? Speaking what the of fuck is happening? Other amazing fan picks. So this week we have a very special fan pick brought to you by Alex Brockmeyer. Oh. Yeah. Alex um, has Alex yet to return. Alex has yet to return my emails. <laughs> Alex. Okay. Well, well I need I'm your fighting. I need your address. <laughs> <laughs> Alex has selected the topic of, and I cannot believe we haven't done this one yet. Right? 
Yeah. Poison crimes. Literally Hello. the most like prevalent crimes yeah. throughout history. Poisoning. Wow. Yeah. Up there. It's a good one. Pretty yeah. common. Uh, given yeah. the amount of uh, the number of poisoning murders we've done, yeah. it's shocking that we haven't covered this. Yeah, because we did arsenic crimes, right? Specific yeah. and to arsenic. Cy- uh no, not we did arson and then we did cyanide. 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 That's the mm-hmm. one. There mm-hmm. it is. There, well, it there is. are all different kinds of poisons. Oh, and we'll get lots to of, it. Yeah. So let's just I need some alcohol to erase the memories of... Of the shame. The shame you you experienced. And I'm here for you. Yeah. I also called my father-in-law and told him the story. And he just... He just cackled. Yeah, you were telling us. And then you were like, I have to go. I need to call Kenny. (laughs) You're like, okay. Yeah, you do. All right. What is our wine crime pairing with poison crimes? Well, I don't think that a more perfect pairing than this even exists on the planet. So I'm just going to toot toot that for myself real quick. <laughs> Today, we are drinking the 2017 Poison Zinfandel. Oh, <laughs> with so the Z-I-N. Mm-hmm. And it's it, the bottle is very cute. It's like, it's like a black bottle with a red screw top. And then it has a red skull and crossbones and it says like poison and like spooky letters cute love a good pun so spooky I know it's so cute Um, (laughs) this is a lush delicious and serious wine but in a fun package (laughs) the nose is fruit driven with fresh plum bright cherry spicy peppercorn and zinberry that's not a real berry I think that's just like their play on like the typical that berry drape? notes that come in Zinfandel. Oh, mm, misleading. Don't I like know. it. The mouthfeel is soft mm. with a hint of milk chocolate, <laughs> sweet oak, and a long vanilla finish. Really going to mm. cover up any foreign baddies you put in here. They won't taste it. We'll get to the foreign baddies. Yes. <laughs> the deep color and firm structure are enhanced by the addition of the Petite Syrah. So there's a little blend in here. Oh, and the firm tannin softened by moderate oak. Enjoy this poison with caution. It's a wine to die for. Oh. <laughs> oh. I see what you did there. I love it. Because poison often causes death. <laughs> you know, it's wild. She retails for about $25. You can order this online. From their website, but you can also find it in such locations, such exotic locations as Total Wine Total Bloomington. Wine Bloomington. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, better stock up. Yep. And she is a cracker, so shall we crack? Let's do it. Let's crack. Here we go. Oh, all right. Undeadly. Toxic crack. Toxic crack. (laughs) All right. Lucy, what is our background and maybe psych for poison crimes? You know goddamn well there's no psych for this. Well, I mean, I feel like there could be some psych for this. Don't aren't women more likely to use poison than men? Yeah, women are more likely to use just less violent methods. Yeah, we don't we like don't like sneaky. to clean up any more than we fucking have to. Yeah, That's we're fucking fair. sick of scrubbing the floors. Yeah, really. 
Poison is an American heavy glam metal band which achieved commercial <laughs> success in the mid 80s through mid 1990s and has I sold knew it. 15 million records in the United States. Their most famous single is Every Rose Has Its Thorn from their 1988 album Open Up and Say Ah. And their lead singer, Brett Michaels, is a type 1 diabetic, as I know from the acclaimed television show, Rack of Love. He's also oh. balding. Frontman <sighs> Brett Michaels is also known for starring in the hit, hit VH1 reality show, Rock of Love, with Nailed Brett it. Michaels, which inspired his solo album, Rock My World. Brett Michael Sychak was born on March 15th, 1963. Wait. Wow. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wait. That was my only poison. That's so Michaels is not his real last name. Uh Mike Brett Michael Brett Mike Michael is his middle name. So he goes by Brett Michaels as his commercial name, but his real last name is Sychak. Brett Michael S. Mm, when you first said that, I thought you were saying side chick. <laughs> Like he his side chick has... was born on March 15th. Maybe. Brett Michaels' side chick was born on March 15th, <laughs> 1963. That makes sense. <laughs> that <laughs> tracks. That tracks. <laughs> okay, so lots of interesting information on Poison online. A lot of my notes came from two specific sources. Poison. And frankly, I just didn't have much to change, so... A lot of a lot of this was copied and pasted. I don't care. It's interesting nonetheless, and I'm citing it. my sources. So it's not CNP, baby. CNP. It's mm-hmm. not We're not plagiarism. the New York Times. What no. are you expecting? I'm not here journalist. Right. I'm not here to invent poison. Listen, we're chugging out content left and right. Every once <laughs> in a while, we're gonna C and P. And we're gonna tell you that we're doing it. It's in, called quotes. In the last yeah. 24 hours, I have Googled poison, how to poison. Uh, <laughs> how to get away with untraceable ca- cause, cause of death strangulation because I oh. was watching a show the other day and the, like turns out if you if you if you're if you are strangled there's like four different ways you can actually die oh, from being out. strangled great okay all right but you know that'll be for another day mm-hmm. so this is from Encyclopedia Britannica Poison in biochemistry is a substance, natural or synthetic, that causes damage to living tissues and has an injurious or fatal effect on the body, whether it is ingested, inhaled, or absorbed or injected through the skin. Mm. And when we're saying substance in this context, it's almost always synonymous with chemical Mm. and, and includes drugs, vitamins, pesticides, pollutants, and proteins. Oh, my. Even... (laughs) Even radiation is a toxic substance. That is a poison. Poison. <laughs> poison. <laughs> P-p-p-poison. Never trust a big button in smile. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to sing that a lot through this episode, poison. so buckle up. <laughs> Though not usually considered to be a chemical, most radiations are generated from radioisotopes, which are chemicals. A chemistry occurs. So a chemistry does occur when we're talking about poison. We've covered a lot of radiation stuff in in other episodes too. Yes, which is why I'm going to gloss. Yeah, even that what the forensic X-ray episode or whatever Mm -hmm. we talked a bunch about it. Yeah, we've talked about cats and wigs shit a lot, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's why I'm going to gloss clear over the cats and wigs portion of this segment because I don't have the energy. Although poisons have been the subject of practical lore since ancient times, 
Their systematic study is often considered to have begun during the 16th century when the German-Swiss physician and alchemist Paracelsus, Mm. nailed it, first stressed the chemical nature of poisons. It was Paracelsus who introduced the concept of dose and studied the actions of poisons through experimentation. So Mm. lucky subjects those were. Yeah. <laughs> also, I feel like in the 16th century, Queen Elizabeth the first didn't was somebody poison? oh the the <laughs> wig stuff the the white makeup the face makeup well no that she did to herself so it was she wasn't like poisoning herself but yeah she had like lead based makeup yeah. and stuff Whoops. well she she yeah, was but like everyone unintentionally did. poisoning herself yeah that's some right. Tin Man shit oh yeah right but I think. Somebody tried to kill Queen Elizabeth I by having her. Oh my God. Stop. (laughs) This is like NASCAR already, the NASCAR episode. Um, By poisoning a gown so that when she like Mm. wore the gown, it would like seep into her skin and kill her. And then like other kings and queens had to have like food tasters, but she had to have like a gown wearer. Okay, but poison points for creativity though. Well, we will kind of get to the method of ingestion because that has a big effect on the efficacy of the chemical itself. Okay. Um, so we'll kind of get to that. But also I was remembering when we were – when we did our uh, bride crimes or wedding crimes, bride mm-hmm. crimes, I talked about wedding traditions and one of them was toasting your glasses. Right. Mm-hmm. And – in the beginning, that was done during, like, Viking times to pour a little bit of your drink into everybody else's drink to make sure that you weren't being poisoned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if you're going down, everyone's yeah. going yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So if somebody so else risk it. sitting there, yeah, they're mm-hmm. going to get. We just rewatched. Don't get poisoned. We just rewatched Misery. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. It's That's so a good. Masterpiece. Yeah. And the scene where he like has saved up all his yeah. crushed up pills and he puts them in her wine glass and then she spills the wine glass and he just like sees. You see his, his face. Oh, oh so good. Work. It's so yeah. good. Because she knew. She fucking that, knew. Oh, yeah. I read that book at a very young age, as I did oh. with like Lolita. Like I read a lot of books when I should have been reading them, but. God damn, that book is torture in a good way. I need to read it. Fuck. It's- also, Kathy Bates in Misery is Kenyon's mother. Oh. Don't, she hates it when people say that. It do- <gasps> she does what? She does look like a young I Kathy love Bates. I Kathy Bates. That is a compliment. Never say that to her. I wouldn't. Good now thing that she I know. doesn't listen yeah. to this show. God, I wish someone no, would tell my mom me I does not like Kathy Bates. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God, I'm flattered. I'd be so fucking flattered. But I want to be Kathy Bates from The Office as Joe. Oh, <laughs> yes. I want to be a crossover. I want to be Joe with the Great Danes who also like hobbles hitchhikers that I pick yes, up. Yes, I want mm-hmm. a combo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did she, she shouldn't win be mutually misery? exclusive. If she didn't, she was robbed. She was robbed. Okay, I have quite a bit more to get through, so here we go. It was not until the 19th century, however, that the Spaniard Mathieu Orfila, the attending physician to Louis XVIII, correlated the chemistry of a toxin with the biological effects it produces in a poisoned individual. 
So both concepts continue to be fundamental to an understanding of modern toxicology. So to kind of sum this up, dosage is crucial to the observation of poisonings because even something like water can be poisonous if if you consume enough of it. That's Whoa. true. Yeah. And ditto for drugs being consumed as therapy. Of course, you can overdose on like benzos. Right. But if you need them for pain relief, then it's, yeah, it's in therapeutic. Yeah, the right dose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So dosage is crucial to understand or to uh, well, understanding and appreciating po- poisons as a whole. Mm-hmm. So poisoning involves four elements, the poison itself, the poisoned organism, the injury that that poison does to the cells, and the symptoms and signs or death, I suppose, could be one of the s- symptoms of being poisoned. These four elements represent the cause, subject, effect, and consequence of poisoning. To initiate the poisoning, the organism is exposed to the toxic chemical When a toxic level of the chemical is accumulated in the cells of the target tissue or organ, the resultant injury to the cells disrupts their normal structure or function. Symptoms and and toxic signs then develop, and if the toxicity is severe enough, death may result. So there are a bunch of different ways we can classify different poisons. Poisons. (laughs) We can classify them based on... Poison. Based on origin, so like microbial, plant, animal, or synthetic. Mm. So a little bit about those types of poisons. Microbial poisons are produced by microscopic organisms such as bacteria or fungi. We will come back to this. Okay. Botulinus toxin, for example, is Mm. produced by the bacterium Clostridium botulinum. It's Botox. We'll get to it, honey. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah. And is capable of inducing weakness and paralysis when present in underprocessed non-acidic canned foods or in other foods containing the same spores. Oh, mm-hmm. I always forget about that. It's like when you see a can, if you mm-hmm. encounter a can in the grocery store that's like bloated. You mm-hmm. don't that's botulism. Stay you in away. Danger, girl. Yeah, Not only dented. stay away, but like report it. Like mm-hmm. bring it to somebody. Animal poisons are usually transferred through the bites and stings of venomous terrestrial or marine animals, the former group including poisonous snakes, scorpions, spiders, and ants, and the latter group including sea snakes, stingrays, and jellyfish. Mm. Nope, nope, and no. Deep deep ocean is so... That's why I stick to the rivers and the lakes that that I'm I'm used used to. to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I love the ocean, but it's the deep ocean that just... Like the middle of the ocean. It gets my spookies. I like to look at the ocean. I don't really like to be in the ocean. I do like to be in the ocean, but not like... Off of a boat in the middle. Kenyon, when we were at, we went to Hollywood Beach in Florida. Yeah, I like did. You and I were like heading into the water and you just went, nope, I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) That was enough. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not, I'm not an ocean swimmer. Mm -mm. mm -mm. I don't like waves. I love love the beach, but I do not like waves. Waves freak me out. I got trapped in a wave pool as a child and everybody else was on. Um, like round floaties. What are they called? Inner tubes. Inner tubes. And how do you say cucumber? And <laughs> how do you say uh, inner tube? Cucumba. 
<laughs> and I was not in an inner tube. And then the wave started, and I didn't know it was a wave pool. I thought it was just a pool. And then I got my head caught in between two people's inner tubes, and it was really traumatic. You know, sure it was. we have this thing, you and I, where we, I just have interchangeable memories. Because mm-hmm. I've heard that story from you before so, so many much <laughs> often that it's yeah. a that memory it's of mine of now, too. It's your memory. Yeah. It also happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. How tragic for both of you. I know. <laughs> it was awful. It was really sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm still coping with it. Your friendship is not alarming in any way. <laughs> okay, so synthetic toxins are responsible for most poisoning. So like synthetic refers to chemicals manufactured by chemists, such as drugs and pesticides, as well as chemicals purified from natural sources, such as metals from ores and solvents from petroleum. So synthetic toxins include, like I said, pesticides, household cleaners, cosmetics, pharmaceuticals, and hydrocarbons. That's the vast majority of poisonings of humans. So like rat powder or whatever. Rat like powder. Bleach. What do you call yeah. it? Rat, rat poison. poison. Rat poison. Rat powder. Rat. <laughs> whatever. I'm going to the store, honey. Do you need any rat powder? <laughs> Uh, I think they make so funny to me. I think they make a rat foam now, (laughs) (laughs) but rat mousse is so over. Nobody's using mousse anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Ew. But yes, those. I mean, I suppose that kills not just humans, but it also kills a fuckload of rats and like insects Mm -hmm. and shit. So yes, synthetic poisoning due to synthetic. Uh, chemicals is the most, you know, popular, Mm -hmm. the most common. Mm -hmm. Most popular. (laughs) (laughs) So we can also classify poisons based on their physical form, which would be solid, liquid, gas, vapor, or aerosol. Animal or mineral. No, that was the origin. I'm kidding. Okay. (laughs) This influences the exposure and absorbability of the chemical. So since our bodies don't really absorb solids... Poisonous solids are typically dissolved in fluid before ingesting. But this al- this alone, like even if you had like granular, like whatever poison, put it in mm-hmm. some water, just the fact that it's been dissolved in water can change their chemical makeup to the point where it has a completely different effect. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But like so ricin or whatever would we'll be get to a ricin solid, oh. right? We'll get to ricin. Okay. <laughs> Jesse, don't do it. <laughs> For example, compared with lead sulfate granules, granules of lead are practically non-toxic when they are ingested because elemental lead is essentially insoluble in water, which while lead sulfate is slightly soluble and absorbable. Hmm. So just you can't just say, "Oh, I have this chemical I have this rat powder." I'm gonna put I'm gonna it. put it in your glass of water and then you drink it. Like that specific example might work, but it doesn't work across for the board everything. for every chemical. Exactly. Right. Okay. A poison in liquid form can be absorbed by ingestion or by inhalation or through the skin. Poisons that are gases. Okay, so this was answered my other question. Like, what the fuck is the difference between a gas, a vapor, and an aerosol? And oh. this is this is what the answer is. Okay. Poisons that are gases at room temperature, like carbon monoxide, 
are absorbed by, mainly by inhalation, as are mm-hmm. vapors. And vapors are the gas phase of substances that are liquids at room temperature and at atmos- atmospheric pressure. Mm. So vapors have to be heated like it's a liquid that has to be heated up to become a vapor right because at room temperature it would be a liquid right whereas yes, that's my sub- understanding car- carbon like monoxide humidifier, which i finally got at that yes temperature. and okay. then aerosols i had an error with my copy and paste but as i recall aer- aerosols aerosols uh <laughs> aerosols are a i don't i think it was a vapor that and the, those particles can linger in the air at room temperature for like several minutes. So of course, like COVID nineteen ti- timely topic like COVID nineteen. It's like a it's it's a well you can't really call it an aerosol. It's a it's a virus, but it, it, but that's uh one of those things that can linger in the air for like I don't know, like up to two hours or some shit. Mm-hmm. In that case, fibers and dust are solid aerosols. So if you think oh. about dust, an actual like particle of dust is a solid, but it can float in the air. Right. right? And it can be pretty much, it's invisible to the naked eye for the most part. Mm-hmm. And but a lot of it can unless, be. Unless your mother-in-law is visiting. <laughs> <laughs> or the light is shining through the window in the right way. Mm-hmm. When your then mother-in-law you see is visiting. all of it mm-hmm. that you've never seen before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So aerosol exposures occur when aerosols are deposited on the skin or inhaled. Aerosol toxicity is usually higher in the lungs than it is on the skin. So you're a lot less likely to have a like a reaction to any kind of poison if it's if it's just on the surface of your skin than okay. it, as opposed to being ingested. Right. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And then what's with the fibers? I don't get the fibers. I think you can kind of equate dust and fibers like you know you have like if you rub your sweatshirt or something there's fibers of little tiny like pieces of cotton and and material okay it's not technically dust but it's like you know if you get something in your eye it's probably a little fiber it's like a little hair okay an example of toxic fiber is asbestos which can cause a rare form of Mm. lung cancer known as mesothelioma Mm -hmm. yeah don't fuck with that don't fuck with asbestos but if you do have mesothelioma or transvaginal mesh Mm -hmm. there are a lot of law firms that are ready to take your case (laughs) a lot like a a, like every and we cannot vouch for any any of of them i will not they're ready I don't know if I'd go with it, <laughs> the, but they're ready. The siding on my house was all asbestos siding. Mm-hmm. And for my wedding gift, my uncle my uncle who owns an asbestos removal business came and just took all the siding off our entire house. Oh, Aww. that was nice. Like the he best. didn't replace it, but he took it all he off. He didn't replace <laughs> it, but they, yeah. they took it all off, which is in itself a very expensive project. It is, because <laughs> it has to be done by a special team like your uncle's business. And disposed of in a very particular way. By anyway. consuming it. You yes. burn it in a bonfire in the backyard with all of your friends. I mean, he just had to friends. eat all he of that just, siding. Just personally sat down and ate all of it like a hot dog eating contest. He it was chewing, wild. Uncle. He sold it to the company that makes peeps. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Happy Easter. Another way you can classify poisons based on their chemical nature Poisons uh, can be classified according to whether the chemical is metallic versus non-metallic, organic versus inorganic, or acidic versus alkaline. And the gist of this is basically that this can tell us a lot about how the substance was ingested 
and to what degree it affects the body. I found it very boring, so I'm going to skip over that. I have a note about this. with organic poisons from the co-op. I have a note about this. So I've been watching a lot of different British shows about historic wow, flash about news. poison <laughs> about historic farming techniques good god <laughs> yes. how are there a lot of shows about that you're shout so out boring <laughs> shout out tudor monastery farm edwardian farm Victorian okay. farm my fucking <laughs> medieval farm get to get the point or get out <laughs> So, so in Edwardian farm, Jesus. they they have to create a bunch of quicklime, which also dissolves bodies. Duh. But apparently quicklime's purpose was to counteract, I could be getting this wrong, but I think it's to counteract like soil that's either too acidic or too alkaline. It must be too... I don't care. I don't care. I just, (laughs) what is the point of this? (laughs) So they create quicklime and then they sow it in their fields to make their fields more productive. But then if you use too much of it, it is like deadly. It can completely dissolve a body. Yeah, duh. So like some of it is very good and useful, but a lot of it is really deadly. It's It's like your pH balance in your cooter. Yeah. Yeah. Someone was, listening appreciated that. Was that not, all you have to not contribute? Not my friend in Louisville. Say, not my someone. friend in Louisville. <laughs> Probably not ben. my new best friend, mysterious stranger <laughs> in Louisville, who <laughs> cannot be bothered. I bet Beth from Ames would appreciate that because, in addition to being recently engaged to her uh, fiance Lawrence, I think was his name, Logan, maybe. She's getting her PhD. There you go. So she probably knows what the fuck you're rambling on about. What what (laughs) bullshit you're toddling on about. Stay tuned for more historical farm facts half remembered. (laughs) While I'm over here making myself poison to drink because I just can't. Half recollected medieval (laughs) agricultural facts. facts. Hashtag medieval agricultural facts. I fucking can't with you. I I can't. Oh my I'm done. God. Okay, okay. That I'm was my going. limit. I'm going to keep going. We can also <laughs> classify poisons based on their chemical activity. And like I said, that's a whole cats and wigs thing. So I'm just going to not. I'm just going to move on. So let's talk about toxicity. So researchers use a standard called LD50, which stands for lethal dose 50%, which also sounds like a coupon code for one of our advertisers. It sounds like a metal band. LD50, it probably is. Lethal dose 50%. Mm-hmm. So this number is the amount needed to kill 50% of the test population. It's a lot of mice. And is usually quoted per kilogram of body weight. So on this scale, for example, sodium cyanide, ever heard of it, comes out at around six milligrams per kilogram. The LD50 of tetrodoxatin, mm-hmm. and that is, I know you've heard of it, that puffer fish that's a delicacy in Japan. Mm-hmm. But if it's like not properly prepared, it can really poison you. Oh, yeah. And it, ac- it actually poisons about 50% or fi- 50, okay. 50 people each year. I was going to say 50%, those odds are too high. 
That's a lot of people still. 50 people 50 died people from every... eating this puffer fish? I don't, it's it's not, all from they that don't... one shitty puffer fish restaurant. They though. don't die necessarily. They've just poisoned by it. But this, that. Gas station sushi. <laughs> yeah. I've done it. We've all done it. <laughs> so the LD50 of that tetradoxatin, the puff, puffer fish, by comparison, is around 300 micrograms per kilogram if orally ingested and as little as 10 micrograms per kilogram if it's injected. Mm. So, so that's a very small amount because I imagine a microgram is a lot smaller than a milligram. Exactly. Yeah. So that that tetrodoxatin is way more toxic Potent. than the sodium cyanide. Yeah. Mm. Don't risk it. Mm -mm. So this is from theconversation.com. Assessing toxicity is not easy. The chemical state of a substance is important as is how we ingest it. If we swallowed liquid mercury metal as distinct from inhaling the vapor from that same thing, it would very, very likely pass straight through us harmlessly. And yet, and yet it, when it, in... Jesus Christ. And yet when in 1996, an American professor got just a drop or two of the compound demethyl mercury on her rubber gloves, it penetrated the gloves and her skin and sent her into a fatal coma some months later. Oh, my God. So So, dimethyl mercury is way different than liquid mercury. No, I think it's the same I, I think, think they're it's, saying it's that this... dimethylmercury in, is the liquid form, and that's really bad. But yeah. like the vapor isn't going to kill you immediately. So the point is that no, the, the, chem- the, the chemical state of that substance is crucial to understanding how toxic it is in the per- it, to a person, as well as how we ingest it. So basically, if you were to swallow liquid mercury, oh, it'd probably be pass. fine. But but inhaling if, it's worse. If you inhaled the that's like the Mad Hatter thing. Yeah, yeah. And like uh, Shit Town, S Town. Yeah, S Town podcast is so good. So fucking good. God damn it. That's I need to re-listen to that. It's I so have good. already re-listened to it like four times. It's always it's always good. I cried at the end. Just that Me visual. Too. That visual he paints at the very end is so fucking amazing. It's beautiful. It's so well done. I've listened to the whole thing, but I have no memory. So well, it it, it was like a novel. Sure it's it. beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So here's a list of the top five deadliest poisons in ascending order. Deadliest poison. 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 At least. Each each one of these at least a hundred times more toxic than cyanide, arsenic, or strychnine. Damn. So these are like Ooh, we will get the- to strychnine. Nice. These are the big these are the big boys, though. Okay, so number five. Ricin, as I said. Breaking mm-hmm. bad moment. We were going to come back to this. This extremely toxic plant poison was famously used to kill the Bulgarian dissident Georgi Markov. Mm. Gorgai. Gorgai Markov. Yorgi. G. Markov. Your geese is as good as mine. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I'm marking is. that one off my list. <laughs> this person was exiled in- to London. On September 7th, 1978, he was waiting for a bus near Waterloo Bridge when he felt an impact on the back of his right thigh. Looking around, he saw a man bending down to pick up an umbrella. Markov was soon taken to the hospital with a high fever and died three days later. 
Oh, dear. An autopsy revealed a tiny sphere made of a platinum iridium alloy in Markov's thigh. The sphere, so that tiny little sphere had been drilled to take a small amount of ricin and may have been fired from an air gun hidden inside the umbrella. Damn. Oh, shit, because the, the assassin can't, like, directly handle the ricin. True. Yes, and also it would take a little while for that for those little crystals to kind of exit that little sphere and get absorbed into the bloodstream. So yeah. I'm sure the assassin didn't want to alarm the target to being like, "Oh my god, I have to get to a hospital" because it took yeah. a couple days. Yeah. So ricin is obtained from the beans of the castor oil plant, which is cultivated to extract the oil. And the ricin remains in the solid fiber. So it is like That's crystals. too common. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me really uncomfortable because it's Now not- we've added another anxiety point <laughs> I know. to Kenyon's yeah. list. Add it to the list. Because it's not like it's made if this insanely toxic thing is made from like the the bloom of the orchid at midnight every 14 <laughs> years. Yes. The bloom of the orchid at midnight. <laughs> it's castor oil. Like, that's right. very common. Yeah. Well, the it's it's obtained from the beans of that plant. And I think, I'm assuming it has to be, like, really super purposefully extracted. Right. A chemistry of Breaking Bad? Yeah, I have. I'm just okay. saying. It's, it's spooky. Alarming. I get it. But it, but even in Breaking Bad, it still required a chemist to like get right. it. Exactly. Yeah. You can't just grind some beans in your pocket, blow them in someone's face, and I'm now just, you've killed them with ricin. Yeah. Just saying it's too close for comfort. Well, I mean, <laughs> buckle up because four of the five of these are like natural, probably organic. under your sink right are now. Worse. They're they're organ. They're like found in your fucking backyard. Maybe not your backyard, but they're naturally occurring. Great. Anyway. Great. Okay, so ricin, it is a glycoprotein that interferes interferes with protein synthesis in the cell, causing cell death. That's how it kills you. It has an LD50 of 1 to 20 milligrams per kilogram if orally ingested, but far less is required to kill if inhaled or injected, as in Markov's case. Mm-hmm. Which is That's why so in Breaking Bad, they put it in that well, they put it in the cigarette, but with the intention of, like, putting it in someone's drink, right? Mm-hmm. The cigarette was just, just to, like, storage. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the inhalation would be way, would take way less. Oh, way less, yeah. Wow, okay. Okay, number four, we have VX. This is the only synthetic compound in our top five. VX is a nerve agent with the consistency of engine oil. Ooh. AKA Everclear. Wasn't VX the poison? Remember I did, I think it was a drunk dive about those women who like accosted that that uh Chinese or the guy from Hong Kong. Oh yeah. That they might have smeared been that. they smeared that oil on his face. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was a drunk yeah. dive. I think in like you, an airport or something. I, yeah, I think it was yeah. I think it was the same compound. I think it was VX. That's sounding quite familiar to me. Could be wrong. Isn't there's no way to know? VXB is it usually a gas? Let's find out because well, I, what they <laughs> smeared, what they pap smeared on that poor bastard's face was not a well, gas. That was like was an like oil. It was like a vaseline. Oil. Yeah. Okay, so VX. Well, yeah, it, it's the consistency of engine oil. So this would be 
a, a really kind of thick, viscous oil. Mm-hmm. It emerged from ICI's research into new insecticides in the early 1950s, but proved too too tempting, too, tempting. too toxic to use in agriculture. VX kills by interfering with the transmission of nerve messages between cells. This requires a molecule called acetylcholine. After acetylcholine has passed on its message, it needs to be broken down. Otherwise, it will just keep sending that message by an enzyme catalyst called acetylcholinesterase. (laughs) VX and other nerve agents stop this enzyme from working, so muscle contractions go out of control and you die of asphyxiation. I'm pretty, pretty fucking sure that's what that guy, because he, he, he suffocated. Yeah, he started like choking. He couldn't breathe. It has an LD50 of as little as three micrograms per kilograms, although some reports suggest this figure is a little higher. As I stated, it's really hard to determine that's toxicity. So small. That is so small. Yeah. Okay. So number three, we have. I don't know how to pronounce this either. Batrachotoxin. I think that's how you do it. Batrachotoxin. So this is that frog shit. Literal mm. frog shit. Yeah. So native Indians in Western Colombia collect these frogs, which are golden phyllobates terribilis. Ter- and multicolored phyllobates bicolor. And they sweat out the poison in these frogs over a fire before putting that poison on their darts. And then they wow. can hunt their prey with these poisoned darts. That's really wow. sad. That's cool. I think the it's cool. Froggies. The fact that they I mean, yeah, they're, figured that out, you know? Yeah, so this one is really intriguing and for reasons which I'll kind of get to. The LD50 is around 2 micrograms per... Pe- Per kilogram, meaning that an amount the size of two grains of table salt will kill you. Holy shit. Batch too small. Batrachotoxin kills by interfering with sodium ion channels in the cells of muscles and nerves, jamming them open so that they can't close. You just got jammed. Yeah, jammed. The continued migration of the sodium ions results ultimately in heart failure. Interestingly, captive-born frogs of these same species are not poisonous, suggesting that the poison is derived from their diet. Oh, that is interesting. Or maybe the frogs are evolving to be like, actually, we're being captured and killed for these poisons. Maybe, but also a part of this article that I read that I didn't put in here talked about a scientist not too long ago who was in that area and somehow... This person got scratched by one of the uh, native birds, and mm. they had a similar re- poison reaction. <gasps> and it turns out that the birds in the same area have this batrachotoxin poison, it, like uh, in like the, in in their feathers. It's something Whoa. in that ecosystem. It's something in the ecosystem that causes this chemistry to occur. Wow, Whoa. that's bizarre. Yeah. That is bizarre because the animals can clearly eat whatever plant has this. They think right. it's a beetle and they think that it's the beetle like if you were to take if you were to extract some chemicals and examine this beetle, you would not find that same property in just right. the beetle. It has, it has to do with 
the consumption, the digestion, the the combination with the frogs or in that that case, the birds. That's wild. Yeah. So they don't really know. They don't really know for sure, but it's like super, super fucking toxic. (laughs) Whoa, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, so number two, we have mitotoxin or matotoxin. There are a number of potent marine toxins such as saxitoxin, which are often the cause of poisoning after eating contaminated shellfish. These are often associated with harmful algal blooms in the sea. Matotoxin is the most lethal of these substances, reckoned to have an LD50 about an order of magnitude less than batraxitoxin, the frog Whoa. shit. Damn, mm-hmm. that is very tiny. Very. Formed by a dinoflagellate, a kind of marine plankton, it has a very complicated structure which presents a massive challenge to synthetic chemists. So they like don't know for sure what the fuck this is all about either. Mitotoxin is a cardiotoxin. It exerts its effects by increasing the flow of calcium ions through the cardiac muscle membrane, causing heart failure. Damn. The ocean is so crazy. The fact that anyone still swims in it blows my mind. (laughs) It's also like the source of life, but you know. Fucking like, do not trust the ocean, (laughs) y'all. Okay. (laughs) Never trust a blonde man. Never Never trust trust the ocean. ocean. Never trust an ocean. (laughs) The Indian Ocean. An ocean. Kind of fine. I like Indian Ocean. Indian Ocean's great. Okay, so number one, this is our big bad boy. Botulinum toxin. Mm. Botox. Yeah, Botox, baby. Scientists differ about the relative toxicities of substances, but they seem to agree that botulinum toxin produced by anaerobic bacteria is the most toxic substance known. It's I, okay. <laughs> It's it's LD fifty. Make an expression on my face. I would, but I've never had Botox. No, of course I haven't. <laughs> but I I have friends that have. I know people that Me have. Me too. Yeah, my cousin has. Get yeah. Botox. it's preventative. Yeah. I need to get Botox. My forehead is another face. <laughs> All on its own. Uh, Botox is not high on my list, but. You like, want fillers, which is insane to me. I don't actually want fillers. I want a facelift. I want to have a jawline again. I'd love a jawline. Grow a goatee. Do what men do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just grow a, a really circular, round goatee just yeah. at the tip of your chin. Yeah. No one will ever know. It's, no one will ever know. It's men's form of contouring is so growing a goatee. Gross. I hate it. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Botulinum toxin. It's LD50 is tiny, almost at, at most one nanogram per kilogram can kill an entire human. Okay. Oh, my God. So extrapolating from its effect on mice, an intravenous dose of just uh, t- okay, it's ten to the pa- to the power of negative seven, so it's point zero 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 one grams. Would you be- could be saying anything to me right now, and right. I'd be like, "Wow, sure. uh huh." A very uh-huh. small amount would be fatal to a seventy kilogram person, and I googled it. Seventy kilograms is one hundred and fifty four pounds. Mm-hmm. I weigh more than 70 kilograms. It takes oh, a yeah. very the small. The power of negative seven. The power I believe of, anything you say. Yeah. 
a really fucking small, like trace, trace, trace amount would kill. So how are we able to use it in like a a no like a regular procedure? Well, let's let's keep going here. I'm sure she'll tell us. It was first identified as a cause of food poisoning due to incorrectly prepared sausage in the late 18th century Germany. No matter what, I'll always trust a sausage. There are They're delicious. There are several botulinum toxins, with type A being the most potent. These are polypeptides consisting of over a thousand amino acid molecules joined together. They cause muscle paralysis by preventing the release of the signaling molecule or the neurotransmitter. Acetylcholine. Which we've talked about before. Which I struggled to say about five minutes ago, yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The same paralyzing property is fundamental to the clinical use of the botulinum toxin in cosmetic Botox. Got it. So it's a different type. Yes. Targeted injections of tiny amounts of the toxin stop particular muscles from working, relaxing muscles that would otherwise cause wrinkly skin, and we can't have that. Well, and no. it's like well, subcutaneous slash intramuscular and not intravenous. It's not injection. intravenous, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, you could fuck up and hit a vein. Eh, that would be hard to do in like it's, the forehead or around the mouth. I think it's I, I think it's like a different type. It's like a different concentration, sort of. Mm. It must just be super, 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 super diluted because it's this is saying it's the same type. Yeah, well, we'll see. I'm not Whatever. a doctor. It seems fine. I'm not going to question it. I mean, it. a lot of people have had it done a lot of times mm-hmm. and are fine. For but now. it has also been applied <laughs> to a range of clinical conditions such as paralyzing muscles that, if untreated, would cause crossed eyes, a.k.a. strabismus. Oh. Oh, jeez. There is increasing interest in using the properties of toxic substances medicinally. Oh, Botox, hello. The venom of the lethal Brazilian pit viper... Uh, Balthrops jararaca, for example, contain blood pressure reducing molecules that have led to pioneering treatments for high blood pressure. How about so, lip venom? Hello. Oh, we my all put God. on our lips. Yeah. With our wide leg jeans rolling and Raggeding. Yep. <laughs> Soaking wet. When are you bringing that back, Gen Z? God. <laughs> so, do you think you've been poisoned? The symptoms of poisoning depend on the substance and the amount you've taken in. Some poisonous substances, such as carbon monoxide, interfere with the blood's ability to carry oxygen. Others, such as bleach, burn and irritate the digestive system. Well, we had a carbon monoxide leak in my house that, Mm -hmm. thankfully, I noticed due to a simultaneous and unrelated gas leak. (laughs) From your ass. (laughs) (laughs) Ass leak. (laughs) <laughs> but otherwise i could not be here right now all good we gotta get we got a leak we got a natural Check. gas leak check your carbon monoxide detectors and make sure that they are placed low to the ground not on the ceiling they're not the same as a fire detector the carbon monoxide doesn't go up that high if you have high ceilings why Plug didn't them in your low. inspector it's talk dense. to you about any of that uh my inspector was a piece of shit and didn't That's notice why. that our furnace was like on its last legs and about mm. to die and also that all the tuck pointing had to be redone hmm. i basically uh. just lit 600 dollars on fire <laughs> when i had my house 
inspect it. It's fine. Whatever. You could have gotten a a two full rounds of Botox with that money. Mm-hmm. Probably. All right. I got to pee again, so I'm going to keep I'm going to hurry through my last part. <laughs> Here are some common symptoms of being poisoned. Feeling being sick poisoned. or being sick. Diarrhea, stomach pain, drowsiness, dizziness, or weakness. Check. Check. High temperature of 38 degrees Celsius or 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit or above. No. No. (laughs) Chills. No. No. Loss of appetite. No. No. (laughs) Headache. Yes. Irritability. Yes. Yes. Difficulty swallowing or uh, AKA dysphagia. Depends what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Wink, wink. (laughs) <laughs> I never swallow. <laughs> Breathing difficulties. Depends yes. how much weed I've smoked. <laughs> Producing more saliva than normal. Always, yes. Yeah. I'm a wet-mouthed bitch. Okay. Skin rash. Can't tell. Too many tattoos. Blue hair. Just yes. Kidding. Blue lips and skin or cyanosis. Depends on the makeup I'm wearing. Jesus. Depends on when you last did your hair. Right. Burns around the nose or mouth. No. I'm going to say no on that one. No. 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 Double vision or blurred vision. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah why? <laughs> I have terrible eyes. Mental confusion. Yes. Absolutely. Constantly. Seizures and fits. Constantly. <laughs> fits, fits, yes. Yes. <laughs> you know I get attacks. <laughs> Seizures, no. Fits, yes. Yeah. I'm having a fit. <laughs> Loss of consciousness. Daily. There's no way to know. (laughs) And in severe cases, coma. (laughs) I mean, I'm a heavy sleeper. I've been sleeping a lot lately, so I'm going to say, yes, I've been poisoned. (laughs) Oh, we're all, we're poisoned. You're poisoned. Poisoned. We have been poisoned. As parents. As Paracelsus is reported to have said 500 years ago, quote, all things are poison and nothing is without poison. Poison. And the dose alone makes a thing not poison. Poison. (laughs) I hate it. And he had a point. Ultimately, we are surrounded by potentially dangerous substances. It is the dose that makes it deadly. And wow. that is my segment. Well Damn. done. Poison. Yeah. Poison. Let's hear a word from our sponsors. There is so much about fertility that is a complete mystery. It's not great. Mm-hmm. But that is where the modern fertility hormone test comes in. So think of your fertility hormones as tiny little detectives. They can bring you tons of insight into your egg count, reproductive timeline, and even possible outcomes for egg freezing and IVF. Everything you need to know to get proactive about your fertility. And that is why Modern Fertility was created. It is the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick so you don't have to put on pants and leave the house and wait in a doctor's office. You can just do it from your living room. You mail it in with a prepaid label and then you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Um, We've all done this. I thought it was a very simple and easy process. Loved getting my results back. So fast. So fast. I felt like I really understood those results. 
Um, and traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but with Modern Fertility, it only costs $159 to get the same information. So like, why would you pay more when you can pay less and be more comfortable? Mm-hmm. You know? And if you go to modernfertility.com slash gals, you get $20 off your test, so it's even less. And if you have an HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars towards modern fertility. So that's fantastic. And like we said, you will get insight into how many eggs you have, your hormone levels, other important fertility factors that you should be aware of. And these results really go in depth into what every hormone means. And you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. So it's just a really great way if you want kids today or just maybe one day in the future, you don't know what the future holds. You still need information about your body to make the decision that's best for you right now. Absolutely. So right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash gals. That's G-A-L-S. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash gals. One more time, that's modernfertility.com slash gals. Treat your knowledge. Treat it. If you've listened to our show before, then you have heard us gush over our obsession, Rothy's. And that is because Rothy's shoes are incredibly comfortable with zero break-in period thanks to their seamlessly knit-to-shape design. And they've got a ton of different styles to choose from. So Rothy's are the perfect way to add some comfort and style to your closet, especially now that spring is starting to sprung. Am I right? Oh, it's so nice. I've been waiting all winter to wear my Rothy's. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I finally got to bust them out. Oh, first Robin of spring, first Rothy's of spring. Absolutely. Even cuter when they're like the cherry red loafers that I have. I have (laughs) the cherry red point, and I have been wearing them so much. I get compliments on them every time I wear them. Mm-hmm. I saw a person wearing Rothy's at my husband's restaurant the other day, and I was just like, Rothy's. And she was like, Rothy's. We just gave like <laughs> a knowing glance at yep. each other. Yep. So CNN says Rothy's are, quote, the comfiest slip-on shoe I've ever owned, period. And Julie J says they're her favorite shoes of all time. Can concur. Holy yep. cow. Like Kenyon said, there is zero break-in period. They are comfy from the second you put them on. And you'll be wearing them so much that, God bless, you can throw them into your washing machine and they come out good as new. That is my favorite part about Rothy's. I love that. As a shoe ruiner, because I have got gross feet, the fact that (laughs) you can machine wash them and they come out brand spanking new is incredible. I've saved so much money in the long run because I'm not wasting money on shoes that only last a few months. Yeah, and so that just adds to the sustainability that is already inherent in Rothy's, you know, system because Rothy's has transformed over 75 million bottles into beautiful shoes, handbags, which are so stinking cute, Mm -hmm. and also face masks. So, like, they're all about the sustainability, top to bottom, but also, just as importantly, they're so adorable. Mm -hmm. 
So check out all of the amazing shoes, bags, and masks available right now at rothys.com slash gals, G-A-L-S. That's rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash gals. Style and sustainability meet to create your new favorites. Head to rothys.com slash gals today and treat your feet. Trade them. My case, also super dark. I've missed you. I know. Super dark, <laughs> but also old timey. So I feel like that. Oh, uh, it cancels it out. Tempers it a little. Yeah. And we're just going to get right into it. Okay. So Thomas Neal Cream. No. <laughs> nope. Yep. I'm sorry, but no. Cream <laughs> is definitely in my top five most disgusting words. Cream. As it should be. It's yeah. foul. In Greece, in the movie Greece, which is one of my favorite films of all time, I've seen it probably a hundred times. Mm-hmm. The chicks will cream the chicks- for greased lightning. If that line alone is enough to ruin the film. I think when our high school production of that, we weren't allowed to say that. I think we had to say the chicks will scream. Yeah, mm-hmm. Zach mm-hmm. Barnett, who was Danny in that Bo- production. Bo- yeah. I remember Actually, great he had casting. To- he had uh, to, Joe uh, Swearingen as Kaniki could have been passed. Yeah. <laughs> Hard pass. Yeah. <laughs> He's kind of Kaniki-esque. I mean, yeah, Gross. but don't give him attention. I mean, okay. we mean blow Blaringen. Oh, I don't care about revealing that one. <laughs> Zach was the perfect Danny, though, and he did say he did. Our very last performance, I remember he's like, I'm going to sing the words. I'm going to sing the real oh, words. Oh, I'm, I'm saying cream. So the oh the very God, last performance, rebel. he said cream. And Mr. Knudsen was so mad. <laughs> he got over it. Mr. Blubluzen. Blubluzen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so even Thomas Neal Cream <laughs> seems to have disliked his own last name. Yeah. And so Join he alternated throughout his life between introducing himself as Thomas Cream and oh. Thomas Neal. I'm just, gonna I'm gonna go with cream because it's just, so disgusting. Just only call him cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dream cream. No. <laughs> so cream <laughs> was born in Glasgow, Scotland in 1850 classic when he was four years old his family immigrated to quebec city canada and young thomas would eventually attend mcgill university in montreal mcgill is a very nice school now i don't know if it was like super prestigious all the way back then but now it's it's great he graduated from mcgill in 1876 with a medical degree after completing his thesis study on the effects of chloroform oh (laughs) Oh, okay. And in retrospect, this was a huge red flag. (laughs) Oh, God. In 1876, that same year, Cream married a woman named (laughs) Flora Brooks, the daughter of a hotelier. None of these names are real. Flora Brooks. Flora Cream. (laughs) Oh, God. Theirs was a love out of the storybooks by the Brothers Grimm. (laughs) (laughs) Flora had previously been pregnant by cream. Ooh, cream by cream. The chicksel cream. And then he had given her an abortion, which didn't quite work. 
and the procedure nearly killed her. And And it didn't work? Oh, God. Mm -hmm. And Flora's irate father then informed Cream that if he did not marry his daughter, he would track him down and shoot him. Oh, okay. So it was a (laughs) botched... Because that's the solution. Marry her. Botched abortion turned shotgun wedding. Cool. Yeah. What a creamy situation we're in right now. We're getting off to a great start here. He's the cream cream. of the crop. Well... So... (laughs) Flora would only survive one year into their marriage before dying in 1877. And her cause of death at the time was listed as consumption, which I believe is Of like, cream. Ew. Is tuber- it's tuberculosis, right? I think so. I think yeah. so. But this would later be called into question because every woman that came close to cream would end up dead. So, Ooh. yeah. Don't get near the cream. Avoid the cream. Beware of the cream. Beware the cream. Around this time, Cream traveled to London to complete postgraduate medical training at St. Thomas's Hospital Medical School. He first failed the necessary medical examinations, but he then did some more surgical training in Edinburgh and then passed and became a licensed medical doctor. So, like, back then, there were a lot of, like, fake doctors who just, like, said they were a doctor. Doctor Love. He actually, like, went through the trainings. He had the skills. He just was a psychopath. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, by 1879, he was back in Canada and had set up his own practice in London, Ontario. So, London, Ontario, and London, London are going to both come up a lot in this case. And honestly, it doesn't fucking matter. Great. (laughs) So (laughs) in August of that year, a woman named Kate Gardner was found dead in the alleyway behind Cream's office. She was pregnant and appeared to have been poisoned with chloroform. Poison. What's more, it was rumored that Kate Gardner and Dr. Cream had been having an affair. Of course. Classic cream. Cream team. (laughs) Cream tried to deflect blame by accusing a prominent local businessman of impregnating Gardner. And so he tried to just be like, I was her doctor, but I'm not the father. You know, whatever. Mm. This guy's the father. And he even went so far as to contact this man and threaten to go to the police with what he knew unless he was paid a sum of money. So I think just like having an adulterous affair was a criminal offense. So he was trying to blackmail this this guy. Got it. But when his plan backfired, Cream was accused of both the murder and of trying to blackmail this guy. And so he <laughs> fled to the United backfire. States. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. So he was like, oh, we're just going to start over in another country. As Love you it. do. So, he set up a new medical practice in Chicago. Oh, that tattling town. <laughs> I'm going to say that every time anyone mentions Chicago. Tattling town. Tattling town. Dickery dock. Doodly doot. So, he conveniently set up this practice in the red light district in Chicago, which I don't know which part of modern day Chicago this was in, but... 
There you go. Okay. Unsurprisingly, the primary service that he provided at his clinic was abortions for sex workers. This was illegal at the time and thus unregulated and quite dangerous, which is exactly what will happen Mm -hmm. if abortion is ever made illegal in this country. Can't go back. Mm -hmm. It'll still happen. It'll just be more dangerous. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Still, even by those standards, women who frequented Dr. Cream's practice were in great danger of dying under mysterious circumstances. So, like, yes, it's a dangerous procedure back then because it's unregulated and, like, people didn't know shit. But his patients were at more risk because he's a psychopath. Right. Okay. So, as one 1892 newspaper put it, quote, Here again, his transactions with the gentle sex caused him more trouble. Oh, my God. Ish. Ish. (laughs) Ish. Ish. Once again, being near women caused this psychopath to murder more women. Well, it's not like it was his fault. Our fault. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Who could blame him? He's just a man. The gentler sex is vicious. (laughs) So. In August of 1880, a woman named Mary Ann Faulkner died, reportedly soon after receiving an abortion at Dr. Cream's office. Ugh, Dr. Cream. I know. It never, I it, ju- it I never get gets better. It. It Dr. Never, no. Dr. Cream, gynecologist. Bull. <laughs> OBGYN. <laughs> it never gets better. OMFG. Yeah. Cream's involvement Stop in <laughs> You're getting loud. My God. Loud. <laughs> I'm drunker and drunker. Cream's Cream. involvement. <laughs> Cream. It's the new next. <laughs> Cream. <laughs> Cream's involvement in her death was investigated at the time, but no conclusive evidence was found and the case was dropped. Also, probably the investigators didn't give a shit because she was probably a sex worker. Yeah. Right. Sex workers getting abortions. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. has the time? Mm-hmm. Only four months later, another woman identified only as Miss Stack died soon after receiving quote-unquote treatment from cream. In this case, Cream immediately contacted the pharmacist who had filled the prescription he had given Miss Stack and accused him of giving her the wrong medicine and causing her death. Cream then threatened to go to the police with this information unless the pharmacist paid him. So he's okay. trying to blackmail again yeah. for uh, the death of a woman in, in his care. But it, like, super didn't work the first time. Oh, we will get to it. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> that reaction tells me. Yeah. There's some good coming. shit something's coming afoot. up around the bend. It's un- my next line. It is unclear if this blackmailing of the pharmacist was successful, and this case never led to any arrests. I don't think any of the blackmailing was ever successful. I love that he tried multiple times and it never worked. Yeah. Everyone who he was trying to blackmail was probably just like, yeah, okay, cream. L O L K. Okay, cream. Cream. Later, cream. <laughs> Fuck off, cream. We've been over this. Later, cream. I like cream. Beat it, cream. <laughs> Beat it, 
Why? 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 So why though? He's, it's so awful, and he has so many victims. Help me! So, Help me! Four months after Miss Stack's death, in April of 1881, a woman named Alice Montgomery was found dead in a rooming house only one block from Cream's office. <laughs> she had died from strychnine poisoning mm. and had recently received an abortion. Both? Yeah. So all of his victims, they like went to him for abortions. Mm. And he like performed them probably shittily, mm-hmm. but then also poisoned them because he's a murderer. Right. Like it right. wasn't like he was a bad abortionist. No, he was a murderer he and was a also murderer. happened to be a bad abortionist. Right, right, right. We all contain multitudes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So her death was ruled a murder, but like the others, was never officially solved. Probably not a lot of investigative energy went into solving it. Then on July 14th, 1881, a man named Daniel Stott was found dead at his home in Boone County, Illinois. Mm. He had recently visited Dr. Cream's office seeking a remedy for epilepsy. And initially, Stott's death was ruled to be of natural causes because he had epilepsy. They kind of didn't understand it very well back then. They were like, I don't know. It was the 1880s. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, he had a death certificate that said died of natural causes. Case closed, right? Mm. Probably not. I have a feeling no. (laughs) But then, Cream... As he had done in the past, goddamn cream, cont- contacted the pharmacist who had cool filled it, cream. <laughs> contacted the pharmacist who had filled the prescription that he gave to Stott for the for epilepsy. that cream, the cream, the medicinal cream, <laughs> the ointment, and the to- attempted the topical to blackmail cream. the pharmacist. <laughs> oh my god! By accus- Did it work? Dude. By accusing him of Stott's death. Give it up, cream. It's unclear why Cream kept attempting blackmail because it never worked. Never worked. (laughs) This time, Cream even wrote to the coroner in the case to communicate his theory about the pharmacist and raised suspicions that Stott's death had not been so natural after all. So he was in the clear and he couldn't resist dredging this all up and thereby... Drawing suspicion to himself. Mm-hmm. Cream's a moron, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Then, due to Cream's meddling, it was discovered that Daniel Stott's wife, Julia, had been having an affair with Cream. <laughs> oh, and that geez. they had planned for her to do away with her husband by poisoning him with strychnine so they could be together. Mm, God. Under questioning, Julia Stott blamed the entire plot on Cream and agreed to testify against him in order to avoid jail time. So she's Mm. saying like a canary. Creamed you. Classic Cream. She screamed it. He got creamed. The chicks will scream. (laughs) Cream was convicted of the murder of Daniel Stott. So lesson of the story, kill as many poor and marginalized women and sex workers as you want. 
There will be zero consequences. Until. But if you kill one man, you will go to jail. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. That This all tracks. Right. So he was sentenced to life in prison. Guess how many years he served? Two. Less, less than two. <laughs> no. Ultimately, he served 10 years in Joliet prison. Boo. May as well be two. Before getting an extremely lucky break. Oh, oh my God. God. He cream his way out of there. <laughs> his his father, who cream. had become a prosecutor. Cream senior. Yeah, cream senior. <laughs> Big cream, if you will. Big cream. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Big cream. <laughs> <laughs> Papa so, Cream. Papa oh. Cream had become a prosperous lumber merchant in Canada. Classic. His oh, lumber shoot. He <laughs> had cream in his lumber shoot. <laughs> he had died and left a generous inheritance to Cream Jr. and his brother, <laughs> Other Cream. Sugar. Other, his brother, Other his Cream. His brother is Sugar. The Other Brother Cream. <laughs> In 1890, Brother Cream. Brother Cream. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Wait, I kind of love the name Brother Cream. I can't with Brother Cream. I'm going to start calling Ray Brother Cream. <laughs> In 1891, Brother Cream traveled to <laughs> Illinois to plead with the governor for leniency oh, for other okay. Brother Cream. <laughs> I'm begging you, Cream! <laughs> <laughs> Soon after, Governor Joseph W. Pfeiffer commuted Cream's sentence, and he was a free man. A free man. <laughs> he was a free cream. It is widely believed that Brother Cream used a portion <laughs> of the inheritance money to bribe the relevant authorities for his brother's release. Brother Cream. <laughs> Brother Cream. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like a Mormon. Yeah, but that's like... The cult I'm gonna start <laughs> will have uh, s Bill's gonna play Brother Cream. <laughs> Bill is such a Brother Cream, right? In our oh, upcoming yeah. cult, <laughs> yeah. Bill your would make words, a Brother Cream. <laughs> oh. Bill would make a great Brother Cream in your I cult. No, he really would. It's the party was born to play. Speaking of like icky but accurate nicknames, I. <laughs> A friend of mine texted me the other day say, saying, like, what's the name behind Lachelle's? And I said, oh, Lachelle is my real name. <laughs> and uh, he has previously. Your friend. <laughs> he has, I mean, we're not that close. He has previously made fun of me for looking at my phone really close to my face with my glasses off because I'm so fucking nearsighted that I, it take it like I hold my phone about four inches away from yeah. my eyeballs. Mm -hmm. mm. And so he always calls me grandma. So then he, he sent me a screen grab. He did photoshopped my face onto an old lady's body on one of those chairs <laughs> that like lifts you up the staircase. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. God, he put, yes. He added, I want one. That is my contact photo in his phone. And he changed my name to Nana Lachelle. <laughs> <laughs> Change his name to Brother Cream. Brother Cream. <laughs> it's only fair. No, but then she'll think Bill is calling. I'm changing Bill to Bill's Brother Cream in my phone. I'm not going to tell him. <laughs> I'm going to call Ray Brother Cream. <laughs> okay, so he a inherits a bunch of money and he gets out of jail. So he's a lucky bastard, right? 
Yes. So with his newfound wealth, Cream set off for England because once again, just try it out in a new country, you know? Trying to rise to the top. (laughs) It always does. So this time he plans to resettle in London, England. Mm, Uh, The other Jolly old Creamland. Upon arrival, he rented a flat at 103 Lambeth Palace Road in the Lambeth district of South London, which had a reputation for high rates of petty crime and prostitution slash sex work. Oh, so it's a feeding ground yeah, for this Yeah, another asshole. hunting ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. not, he's like, great, I'm free. I get to go kill more women. He's like fucking Richard Ramirez at the yeah. Cecil Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. So like the choice to set up his medical practice near the red light district of Chicago, Cream, who could have afforded to move to much nicer neighborhoods, obviously chose Lambeth for its easy access to new victims. And indeed, only about a week after his arrival, a 19-year-old sex worker named Ellen Nellie Donworth died of strychnine poisoning after she accepted a drink from Cream and then fell severely ill for days. God. So Cream was now a man of leisure and no longer Ish. needed to practice medicine. He was a cream of leisure. Yeah, because he inherited all this money. So he doesn't have to be a doctor anymore, but he still wants access to these victims. So instead, he basically becomes a John in order to target victims. He's yep. also really lazy about all of this. Right? Well, it was the 1800s. Like, he could be really lazy. He's killed so many people. Yeah. And I guess he served 10 years for killing and, all these people well, they're so all far. female sex workers, so like. Right. If eh. he hadn't killed that guy, he never would have gone to jail. Oh, oh that's so sad. That's so gross. Mm-hmm. So in London, he began targeting local women by asking them out for drinks or persuading them to invite him up to their rooms. Afterwards, he would slip poison in a drink and leave before it took effect. So he didn't even, like, want to see it happen. He just wanted to know that it happened. Yeah. He wanted to get out of there. Yeah. After Donworth's body was discovered, Cream wrote a letter to the coroner offering to name her murderer in exchange for a 300,000 pound reward. Oh my God. God. He still is trying this blackmail bit. Well, cast a wide net. One day you might strike gold. (laughs) He also wrote to a local Lambeth bookseller accusing him of murder and demanding money in exchange for his silence. Somehow, this did not draw enough suspicion to Cream, and he wasn't investigated for Nellie's death, leaving him free to claim yet more victims, following the same exact pattern. Wow. Over the course of the next year, he killed three more women that we know of. 26. Yeah. That we know of. I have to think it's always going to be more. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, I, I haven't. How many victims did he have total? Four. At, like, probably close to ten, at least, that we know of. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, yeah, the three more women. 26-year-old Matilda Clover, 21-year-old Alice Marsh, and 18-year-old Emma Shrivel. They're all so young. Like, it's so sad. Yeah. No, these are just Very babies. Young. I know. All of whom are believed to have been working as sex workers at the time of their death. 
In each case, he offered his victim a beverage that had been poisoned with strychnine and after learning that she had died, began attempting to cash in on the death via blackmail, which never worked. Never, ever worked. Give it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the case of Matilda Clover, Cream wrote to a prominent London physician accusing him of murder and demanding cash, and the physician immediately forwarded the letter to Scotland Yard. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> Fucking duh. You're Cream. <laughs> Sir, you're Cream. <laughs> Sir, you're cream. you are You've cream. gone off. Yeah. <laughs> so finally, local authorities caught on to Cream's scheme. No. <laughs> Creamer the schemer. Stop. Creamer. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> Although he had sent the letters under a false name, they were able to trace them back to his address in Lambeth. Scotland Yard put him under surveillance and observed his habit of regularly visiting sex workers as well as his regular visits to a chemist to purchase various sedatives and poisons. And now that he's not actually practicing medicine, he has no fucking reason to purchase all these sedatives and poisons. So, mm. like, what the fuck? They yeah. also looked into his background and learned of the 1881 conviction for poisoning back in Chicago. Oh, there it is. Little in pattern. It, oh, mm-hmm. there it is. That guy did poison. <laughs> In June of 1892, Thomas Neal Cream was arrested for the murder of Matilda Clover, and in July, he was formally charged with the murders of Clover, Donworth, Marsh, and Shrivel. Or Shrivel, maybe. Shrivel. Shrivel Cream. He was also charged with extortion for his numerous unsuccessful blackmail attempts. Yeah. Which only brought more suspicion to his doorstep. It's, he that's could, the best part. He could have gone on in perpetuity. Yeah, he really could have. If he hadn't tried this blackmail shit. Well, ironically, cream, Kramer's had, gonna cream. Kramer's gonna cream. Ironically, <laughs> had it not been for these unsuccessful blackmail attempts, Cream likely would have gotten away with his crimes and gone on to claim numerous more victims. His choice of victim meant that the odds of an actual murder investigation were extremely low. In fact, Matilda Clover's death had initially been attributed to delirium tremens as she was a known alcoholic. So basically they were just like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. She had addiction Mm. issues. She had a fit. Yeah, whatever. In fact, it was only Cream's letter to the physician referring to the, quote, murder of Matilda that had drawn scrutiny to the case and prompted an exhumation of her body from the pauper's field where she had been buried, like, en masse. And that re-examination of the body determined that she had died of strychnine poisoning. So yet again... Oh God, he would have gotten away with it. Old natural causes. Yeah. He brings it up. Yeah. Then they realize it was poison. Yeah. Cream's next trial lasted four days in July of 1892. One of the witnesses at the trial was a woman named Laura Sabatina, who testified that she had been engaged to marry Thomas Neal Cream. Uh, or like she thought she was, she you know. Could have been Mrs. Cream. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Hyphenate. Cream. Hyphenate. Sabatina Cream. Don't hyphenate. <laughs> Keep your own name. Don't marry him. Oh, oh that true, too. too. Yeah, that too. She I described like Sabatina Cream. 
Sabatina cream. It rolls off. Of fun. The, it rolls sounds off like the something tongue. that like you start making a recipe and then you're like 15 minutes in, you're like, what the Way fuck is Sabatina cream? It yep. sounds like there's cinnamon involved and I'm into mm. it. It does sound mm-hmm. like a very high class dessert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm into it. So I'm also really hungry. She, <laughs> she Always. Des- she described how uh, when she had first met him, he told her that he had been a doctor back in America, but was, quote, doing nothing in London. Mm-hmm. She went on to describe how he had instructed her to write and send several letters signed as W.H. Murray. The letters that Laura remembered Cream dictating to her exactly matched the contents of the various blackmail letters. So he had somebody else write them, but he dictated them and, you know, sent them from a false name. But he sent them from his fucking local mailbox. Mm-hmm. Idiot. So... Laura testified that she had felt troubled by the letters at the time, but that she had not realized their significance until she had learned of his arrest. Mm. But like, mm-hmm. honey, if, if your you, man... If you see something, say something, as they yeah. say at the TSA. Yeah. If your fiancé is dictating le- blackmail letters to you and then sure. tells you not to worry about it... Sir. Worry about it. Worry about it. So the jury at his second trial took only 12 minutes <laughs> to, to, find to cream him. To find him guilty of all four murders. Yeah, Ben Creams. And the judge guilty in the of case creaming. sentenced him to death. So oh. Dr. Thomas Neal Cream, aka the Lambeth Poisoner was hanged in November of 1892, and his body was buried the same day in an unmarked grave. News coverage of the day describes how over 300 people had gathered outside the jail's walls by early that morning, and by the time of the execution, the crowd had grown so large that traffic couldn't pass through the area. So it was kind of, it was a big deal. Jesus, that's gruesome, but I totally would have been there. Oh, yeah. I mean... Can't argue with that. I mean, I don't leave my house. but A show is a show. Yeah. The crowd was not allowed inside to witness the execution, but a black flag was hoisted as a signal that it had been carried out. Oh, they couldn't even watch it happen? No. No. It's not worth leaving home. In a final piece of the legend of this case. Mm, Of the fall. It is rumored that Cream's final words as he was hanged were... I am Jack the... (laughs) Oh, my God. They cut him off. Jack the cream. (laughs) Jack the creamer. James Billington, the hangman... James Vandercream. (laughs) (laughs) Who has just as many victims. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) James Billington, the hangman for the British government who carried out the execution, went on to widely promote the theory that Cream had confessed at the moment of his death to being responsible for the Jack the Ripper murders. Okay. No. I don't buy that. I don't buy it either. Jack the Creamer just trying to fucking take 
Mm-hmm. He's the, just a the narcissist. Yes, he, there it is. Multiple times trying to blackmail and failed. So yes. much failed blackmail. Yeah, There's but also no way. like his murders were so fucking obvious. I I don't like. I don't. I'm not no, 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 it. No. Also, his murders were a completely different mo than Jack the Absolutely. Ripper. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, unfortunately, we know this is impossible as Cream was still serving his prison sentence in Illinois at the time of these murders. But nonetheless, Mm, it it led to convoluted theories over the years. Some people, you know, they really tried to, like, make this puzzle piece fit. Yeah, they want to make it fit. People don't have answers. They're desperate. Yeah. We all want a piece of the cream. People were like, oh, well, he paid a lookalike to serve out his sentence in Illinois, and he somehow no. got back to England. No. No. no, honey, no. No, no he didn't. Let no. it go. So the Jack the Ripper theory has proved to be an enduring element of Cream's legacy, I guess, but it's definitely not true. And the crimes he did commit were horrific enough on their own and also completely different than the Jack the Ripper crimes. And besides mm. the type of victim but like otherwise completely different cream's last words were likely either misheard or completely made up by billington out of his own desire for publicity contemporary news coverage makes no mention of the jack the ripper confession Mm -hmm. or any last words for Mm -hmm. that matter so a newspaper in wales uh reported on the execution and described how quote billington pulled the lever and Neil Cream was launched into eternity. Into Ew. space. <laughs> cream. Ew. Creamed into space. Ew. He was creamed. He was creamed into bl- oblivion. Oh my God. Another newspaper account is even more explicit about Cream's lack of last words, writing, quote, He died without making any confession, and it may truly be said he preserved to the last that marked sang-froid that has characterized all of his actions from the first moment of his arrest to the closing scene. Wow. So he's not Jack the Ripper, guys. He's just a poisoner who targeted uh, marginalized victims. He's an asshole. And, like, did nothing to cover his tracks and actually put his own fucking foot in it every time. Yeah. So that's yeah. my case. Wow. I loved it. It was the cream of the crop this it week. It was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good work. Nice What's your word job. from our sponsors? Yeah. I don't know about you, but I have been cooking a lot more at home lately. Um, it's easy to go up from zero, but... Uh, you know, it's one of the the benefits of being home so much is getting to actually get into cooking. And something I learned pretty quickly is that using a good knife makes all the difference. Sure does. And the best knife I've ever used is the Misen Chef's Knife. It is a total game changer in the kitchen for me. It makes me feel like an actual chef and boosts my ego and then makes me want to cook more. Lucy, take it away. You're basically on Chopped, honestly. Right? So Where is the camera? (laughs) Exactly. Gordon, come out here. (laughs) So Misen makes it easy for you. They've designed their chef's knife to replace an entire set of knives. We are all guilty of getting those 
horrible plastic, like mm-hmm. six piece knife set. Super cheap on sale. Yeah, know. like the kind you get like from the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That works for a time for some people. But this mise en chef's knife, it it is truly designed to replace all of those and boy howdy does it ever. So the mise en chef's knife is beautiful inside and out. Its unique sloped handle not only allows for you to chop more efficiently, easily and safely, but the elegant design also makes you want to show it off rather than stashing it in a drawer. I've got one of those magnetic uh, knife mm-hmm. strips above mm-hmm. my counter. And it's just so pretty to look at. The one that I have is like, it's got like a powder blue handle. Yes, I love the blue. Also, if you have like, if you're short on counter space, you know, which I am in my kitchen, it's nice to have, you know, one go-to knife versus needing a whole big knife block that Mm -hmm. you don't really have room for. Absolutely. A dull knife is also a dangerous knife and makes cooking more difficult. But with the mise en chef's knife, it can slice through anything like butter. It makes cooking so much easier and more fun. One thing I hate prepping is onions. I hate chopping, dicing onions. Mm-hmm. I just hate it. That's, that's just me. And this mise en knife, it truly does cut through. It makes cutting an onion like enjoyable because you're like, yeah, ooh, yeah, ooh, yeah. Yeah, and your husband is an actual chef slash restaurant owner, and he loves the knife. He loves it. Like, sometimes I can't find it because he takes it to work, (laughs) and then I get upset because maybe I want to cook my own lunch that day Yep. just because I love using this knife. So Mizen is two to three times less expensive than the other premium knife brands for the same amazing quality. Mizen's knives are crafted with high-grade stainless steel, so they stay sharper, longer, and they last a lifetime, all for a fraction of competitors' costs. The Mizen Chef's Knife is legit and verified. It has over 5,000 five-star reviews from real professional chefs and also has a cult following among home chefs and foodies like us. Mm-hmm. So step up your cooking game now and head over to Mizen.com slash gals for 20% off your first order. That's M-I-S-E-N dot com slash G-A-L-S for 20% off your first order. Mizen.com slash gals and get cooking. <laughs> get it. So online shopping can be daunting. Uh, you never really know if things are going to fit. Um, sometimes returns are difficult or like, you know, if you if your printer ran out of ink or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't even know what store to start with because maybe you haven't shopped in a long time and you're like, I don't know that I can still pull off what I used to think was okay attire. Um, so this season, let Stitch Fix do all of that hard work for you. Just eliminate the hassle and just let Stitch Fix improve your life. Just let it wash right over you because honestly, Mm -hmm. you're going to be happy with the results. Mm -hmm. Stitch Fix offers clothing hand-selected by expert stylists for your unique size, style, and budget. It's a completely different and fun way to find clothes that you will love to wear. Every piece is chosen for your fit and your life and it's the easy solution defining what makes you look and feel your best. So I have told my stylist that I pretty much just wear black leggings every day. Black leggings and some sort of loose top. Same. That's just just what I 
wear. It's all I ever want to wear. So my stylist sends me things and she <laughs> the last few times in her note, she's included like, these will look so great with your favorite black leggings. I'm like, oh my God. She God bless for, think for thinking that I have a favorite pair. They're all my favorites. They're all the same. They're all the same. So you can try on pieces at home before you buy. Keep what you love and return what you don't. Stitch Fix has free shipping, easy returns, and exchanges, and a prepaid return envelope is included. Couldn't be easier. There is no subscription required. You can try Stitch Fix once or set up automatic deliveries. I have the automatic deliveries just because I get so excited when my Stitch Fix box comes it's every really month. Fun. It's just so fun. And then after you try things on, you decide what you like and what you don't like and the reasons for those things. You can go into your account and give your feedback. So then that just really helps like your stylist sort of determine like, okay, she likes kind of maybe black and olive green and maybe not hot pink so much. And, mm -hmm. and then, so the more you order, the more personalized your fix becomes. Mm -hmm. It's so great. So you'll pay just a $20 styling fee for each box, which gets credited towards pieces you keep and there are no hidden fees ever. It's so straightforward, it's great. Stitch Fix has styles and clothing to fit any occasion for women, men, and kids. They ship all over the US and are available in the UK as well. Yes. So get started today at stitchfix.com slash gals, G-A-L-S, and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com slash gals for 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Stitchfix.com slash gals. Treat your wardrobe. As the world becomes increasingly uncomfortable, we're all looking for as much comfort as we can get. My biggest discomfort these days is putting on jeans or any sort mm. of pants that require like a button mm -hmm. or a zipper like why uh, outdated technology it's it's not worth it but you know what the one thing i can always count on is how comfortable my purple mattress is that's because Purple is comfort reinvented. Only Purple has The Grid, which is a stretchy gel material that is amazingly supportive for your back and legs, while also cushioning your shoulders, your neck, your hips. I don't really know how it does it. It's just fantastic. I mean, it's the way it's designed, the grid doesn't trap air. The air actually circulates and flows through it so you don't overheat. That's amazing if your partner is a literal furnace. Yes, yes. And, you know, I used to have a, you know, pretty inexpensive um, memory foam mattress topper. Didn't realize how much it was hurting my back until I made the switch and tried purple and used the grid and then was able to, like, sleep on my side and wake up feeling refreshed. It's and like inc incredible bedding and mattresses and pillows are just those things where you really don't realize how much better they could be until you try it. Like yes. it's just something you just kind of get used to and sort of uh -huh. cope with, just deal with. And then right. once you break through to the next level, oh my gosh, you'll never go back. Yeah. So the grid like bounces back as you move and shift. It's not like, you know, memory foam, which remembers everything and has like... <laughs> craters and divots and you're like really that's the shape of my body on the mattress weird no <laughs> purple doesn't do that um it's just 
really, really comfortable. And right now you can try your Purple mattress risk-free with free shipping and returns. And also financing is available too, so no excuses. Time to make the switch. Purple really is comfort for an uncomfortable world. Right now you'll get 10% off any order of $200 or more. Go to purple.com slash gals10, that's G-A-L-S-1-0, and use promo code gals10. That's purple.com slash gals10, promo code gals10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. One more time, purple.com slash gals10, promo code gals10. Terms apply. Treat is sleep. Trade it. I'm just doing another case that reaffirms how little I know about history. Oh, I like it. <laughs> so today I am talking about the angel makers of Na- Nagarev and Nagarev, and I am truly sorry, I am certain I'm not pronouncing that correctly, is a village in central Hungary. And during World War I, this village was also used as a prisoner of war camp from about 1910 until 1914. So they'd seen some shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a very small like farming community. It's a very small village. In the early 1900s, only about 800 residents lived there. The community really took care of itself and they took care of each other when it came to like all of their basic human needs, like food, housing, and also medical care. Mm-hmm. And so this village didn't have its own resident doctor. Oh. So in, t- in 1911, when a mysterious woman named Susanna Fazekas moved Ooh. to the village she's forsaking it yes <laughs> she's not she's forsaking, forsaking it, all though. others right oh. oh no she moved to the village and residents were thrilled because she was a trained midwife and the legacy and history of midwifery is very deep and very rich and for good reason this role this like profession mm-hmm. garnered a lot of respect and power especially in small communities like this one where healthcare was limited anyway and healthcare specifically for women, and yes, I understand I'm speaking in the binary, but mm-hmm. this was of the time, was basically unheard of. Mm-hmm. So, and also the outcomes in a lot of cases for maternal like mortality and infant mortality were mm-hmm. a lot Huge. better in cases w- using a midwife than in yep. using a male doctor because oh, still, yeah. what the fuck they were doing. Yeah. That's still true today and like mm-hmm. especially in communities of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these midwives would not only provide care for the specific needs of those with ovaries, but would also be the go-to just blanket medical resource for the entire community. Mm -hmm. So the trust and bonds that women in particular would form with the midwives and still do to this day was extremely strong. Midwives acted as therapists and healers to women who had otherwise gone completely unheard and neglected. So Susanna's background being murky at best really didn't bother the village because she was such a valuable resource. So when they asked her questions like, where are you from? And like, (laughs) why are you like an older woman without a husband? Okay, but like, what's with the third degree, though? Right, basically. She was basically, (laughs) she just brushed it off and she was like, oh. Can you just like chill for like a second? No, she was like, he went missing. (laughs) She was just like, he went missing. (laughs) <laughs> and that's it. It wouldn't be that hard to be like, he died in the war. Right. I know. We don't have Facebook where we can dig up our exes. So I, but you know, that was what she went with. God damn it. She also arrived at a time, like I said, when Hungary in particular was suffering deeply from World War One. Over 9 million men throughout the region had been drafted and many didn't return to their villages. So he literally could have logically just gone fucking missing oh. and she just moves I- on because... 
Right. Yeah, I think she do? was old enough that maybe it wouldn't have been believed that her husband was drafted. Okay. But I, I don't know. And the, everything about her was like, she was vague about it. She said he went missing. It's like, okay, I'm not going to ask right, any more questions. Whatever. They've been through a lot. Mm-hmm. So many marriages around that time were arranged with very young girls being paired up with husbands who then went to war, leaving these very young girls widowed a lot of times and just alone during war in the villages. Cool. So the soldiers who did return had nothing in the way of veteran support. It's fucking 1915 or whatever. Yeah. Many were suffering deeply from PTSD and substance use disorder, and an unfortunate side effect of all of it was a lot of abuse of the young wives. Yeah. So another natural outcome of an abundance of wives and widows and few husbands, which began pretty soon after the men actually initially left the village for war, was a bit of a sexual awakening for the Mm. wives and widows of the village some of whom would take multiple lovers among, like, the men that were left. Fucking I get it. am here for it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there were very few men. Mm-hmm. They could do what they wanted. Gotta do what you gotta do. I mean, they couldn't legally do what they wanted, but they did what they wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this sexual awakening also generated a lot of business for Susanna because she was a progressive midwife for her time and willing to perform abortions as well as provide some pregnancy prevention advice which is really just the best she could offer at a time when she can't like hand out condoms and birth control have you heard about pulling out it Mm -hmm. is the latest technology (laughs) 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 not a hundred percent effective they call it the morena pullout ring more effective than you think if done correctly it, uh, don't say things like that to lots of young people. Don't risk it. She's not, being sarcastic. I am. Yeah, I'm Ish. just confirming that she's being sarcastic. Ish. Nobody on so, this podcast has relied on the pullout method for years of their lives. Oh my Certainly God. Certainly not These me. <laughs> Would get her arrested more than 10 times, but each time she'd be let go by sympathetic judges who didn't want to rob the village of their only medical professional. So they knew that she was performing abortions. The, the authorities were literally like taking her to jail for it. And judges were like, it's wartime. You don't have a doctor. We're going to let you go yeah, back to the village. She's doing what she needs to do. Mm-hmm. And it just happened over and over and over again. When soldiers did begin returning from war, the young wives started feeling more and more overburdened by the men who returned to the village completely changed, destroyed by PTSD and other physical injuries that were not properly treated out on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And these these young wives had expected like the return of their husbands to be somewhat of a relief, but instead they felt like they couldn't care for the men and the households and the farms and the children. It was just a lot. Yeah, so they Can you would imagine often... running your whole shit, running your whole household for years with no help, and yeah. then somebody that you barely know comes back and is like, yeah. you're doing this wrong. Do this. Do no. that. Yeah. No. And mm-hmm. also oftentimes physically Abusive. abusing you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they would often vent about Susanna or vent to Susanna about all of these things. And Susanna's solution was arsenic. 
She would boil fly paper in a pot on her stove like a crazy old witch. Whoa. Which would liquefy the arsenic like off of the sticky paper and allow it to like the poison residue to float to the top of the pot and be skimmed off with like a soup spoon. Oh, yeah. And then she'd siphon it into like a vial and then hand it off. Whatever works. Hey. I mean... That's what I'm saying. Like, this is dark as hell, but I also kind of see where she's coming from. So, like, many nights she would be awakened at all hours by these young wives fleeing their home, seeking medical care for injuries sustained by their husbands. And Susanna had already, like, grown to care for these young women from her time in the village before the soldiers returned. So... They're friends. Like, Mm -hmm. they're a community. Mm -hmm. And if I think about it as a friend wanting to protect a friend, like, can I really say? Like, yeah, what I. Goodbye, Earl. What I not boil flypaper for one of your husband's coffees if I found out that he'd been abusing you? Of course I would. 100%. Right. Like, if you showed up on my doorstep all fucked up, done. I'm I'm setting up the stove. I'm Mm -hmm. boiling the flypaper. Mm hmm. So Susanna would assure the wives that the arsenic was I'm untraceable. I'm boiling the flypaper. <laughs> I'm boiling. Just text me. I'm boiling Boil- the flypaper. Text me when you're on your way so I can start boiling the flypaper. I got a bottle of tequila I've been saving for you. I also and have I'm a full roll the of flypaper. flypaper. <laughs> Here we go. So she would tell the women that this, that arsenic was untraceable, which like mm, in really small amounts, maybe, but these were not small amounts. Back then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Well, they did have technology to be able to test for this and we'll get to it. Oh, okay. But these were not small amounts. (laughs) Uh, She also went a step further and got a woman on the inside, a local filing clerk named Susie Ola. Hell yeah. Um, And at least one article said that this woman was Susanna's cousin, which could also explain why she chose Nagarev as her new home, like why she ended up in that village in the first place. Okay, all right. So I kind of feel like that tracks. I think Mm -hmm. that that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So... Susie would be able to augment death certificates to further cover any and all tracks. How convenient. I love it. It's a perfect system. It's flowerless. It's flawless. And pretty soon, Susie and Susanna are not only like making poison, papa poison. Poison. Covering tracks, and also Susie might have done some poisoning of her own. I mean. To the point where, in the village, this solution became too popular. Oh. It's a whole cottage industry of poison. Quite literally. So pretty soon, unhappy and poorly treated wives were lining up to dispose of their husbands, and this was working. I... Like, all of their cover-ups were working. The it. village of widows. I see no pretty problem much. here. So then it started to grow from there, though. And as much as Susanna tried to put boundaries on who could get poisoned, (laughs) she literally did. She tried to, like, only allow it to be used for abusive husbands. Yeah, she didn't want to blow up her spot. Exactly. But women (laughs) were getting it to basically get rid of anyone that was pissing them off. So parents, relatives, their children. Uh Oh, 
no. Twasn't good. Are they grown children? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I mean, let's be real. <laughs> if they were grown, they'd probably be sent off to war. Yeah. So like, no. Mm. Reports vary on the death toll, but in the 18 years that Susanna was in the village, at least 50 people were killed under poisoning circumstances. <laughs> Oh my Another God. article alluded to as many as 300, but I could not find anything else to back that, that up. That would so. be an entire village. That's Good like mo- that's almost half of their 800-person village. Yeah. Considering all the other people, too, that died in war, like there's no fucking way. Yeah. Either way, the death toll was so high that the village of Nagarev was coined the murder district. (laughs) (laughs) So there are multiple conflicting accounts of how this duo was found out. One story goes that a body washed up on a riverbank in a nearby town that did have a doctor and like a medical examiner. (laughs) And upon examination of the body, high levels of arsenic were found, which prompted a wider investigation. Mm. So that's possibility number one. Mm Mm-hmm. Hungarian-American historian Bela Bodo, and I think this is actually the most believable, claims that an anonymous letter was sent to a local newspaper that outed Susanna as a mass murderer. Mm. And then, obviously, everybody was all over it because it was literally printed in the paper. Mm-hmm. And then in yet another account, cousin Susie was allegedly caught in the act by survivors of her own attempts to poison them. Oh, and then they turned her in. My Susie, God. why you gotta ruin a good thing, girl? I know, right? I mean, uh, the the truth is the world may never know exactly how this murderous duo got caught, but what matters is they did. Mm-hmm. Authorities descended on the village and exhumed dozens of bodies from the Ugh. local cemeteries. Their postmortem analysis of tissue revealed that 46 of the corpses they exhumed had very high levels of arsenic. So basically what you're saying is the flypaper trick would not work today. Mm-mm. That's what I'm getting from this. <laughs> I also don't think... That's what I, I, she's writing down in her notebook right now. Right. Okay. I also don't think the flypaper trick would work because I don't think they make it the same way they did in 1911. I'm sure there's not arsenic on the flypaper that you get not at like enough Ace that Hardware. you could boil it, make a residue, and kill 50 people well, with it. as probably. we all know, it's all about dosage. Right. So I'm sure you could if you boiled enough flypapers, but like yeah, probably maybe she not just a had reasonable a ton number. of flypaper in this like <laughs> poor village in 1912. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But also, this woman was alive and murdering when my grandmother was a baby. So I just have to remind myself that this was in someone's lifetime who is close to me. That's oh amazing. God. But Susanna was not about to go down like a like some common criminal. Mm-hmm. So she chose to consume her own remedy and took oh. her own life before she could be arrested. This is a I'll le- I'll end it with this quote from Sci-Fi Wire. Quote: Twenty-six women eventually stood trial for the murders, including including cousin Susie. Their motives were varied and their crimes became the stuff of local myth. Some women claimed they were sick of their abusive spouses. Others wanted to get their hands on land owned by other families. Many said they had wanted to keep their lovers from wartime. So you killed them? That doesn't make any sense. You killed them to save their lives? Okay. So much went through games of telephone because like people weren't sitting in on these trials the way that we understand it now that it was just like, oh, I heard Goody Proctor killed her husband right. because of this. Right. Maybe they so, meant like they were trying 
to just make them ill so they could Maybe. avoid wartime, but then they accidentally die. Gave too much. I could see that. I mean, at the I end, totally at the end of that. the day, it doesn't really matter what their motivations were. Although no. I sympathize with some more than others, but the For fact sure. is they murdered people. So like. Mm-hmm. There should there be ha- different rules, though, for I people know. who survive abuse. They this is why be. we can't be judges and juries. <laughs> uh, or it's why we have a very difficult time being on a jury. And yeah, why I will I, forever have the excuse that I have a true crime po- comedy oh, yeah. podcast. I, I've never uh, been called for me. jury duty, but fucking I fucking wish. me. I wish they would so I could just <laughs> write down, start writing my occupation and then just go, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> you're wasting <laughs> taxpayer dollars. Yeah, we're, you're dismissed and no, you do not get the lunch voucher. You're just, <laughs> you're just flagged for the rest of your life in their database. Exactly. So the quote continues. It was remarked upon with shock at the time that these women often seemed unrepentant on the stand, even bored by the drama of the courtroom. (laughs) They felt that they had done what they had to do, regardless of the monstrous nature of their misdeeds. Eventually, eight of the angel makers of Nagarev were sentenced to death, but only two were executed. (gasps) Twelve others received prison sentences. Nice. And that's my case. Wow. Wow. The, the angels. angels. The angel makers. Angel makers. Charlie's angel makers. Angel makers. <laughs> Susie's angel makers. Oh, cream's angels. No. They would have they would have creamed cream so, so fucking fast. fast. Oh, cream yeah. would not have gotten a block no. away. He would have been cheese by <laughs> by sundown. By noon. I love cream cheese. I have to go. I'm so hungry. Great. Well, (laughs) Well, that's good. My case is done. Yeah. Lucky you. you. Thank you so much to our fan picker, uh, Alex Brockmeyer. I think it's mm. Brokemeyer. Brokemeyer. Broke is a joke, Meyer. Uh, Thank you for selecting this topic that I can't believe we hadn't done yet, but definitely needed to do. So thank you so much. Right Right back to my emails. I need your address. Oh, my God. Okay. Deal with that outside of the courtroom. We'll see you next week. We love (laughs) you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Cheers.